Um, so, back to the series. Uh, today I want to do part three of our series, Annie Up. The uh, subtitle is Going All In With Christ. Now again, some of you guys, how many of you guys actually play cards? Anybody play cards? You know, like growing up you played cards? Yeah. I mean, it, you know, sometimes we get, you know, cards get the bad rap in church and all that, and we've kind of covered some of this. Um, but for the, for the you know sake of this illustration, we have been looking at the game of poker, and we've been looking at the idea of Annie and Up. Um, maybe you don't know what that means. Maybe you've seen it or you've heard that term before. When I, when I first said that term to my wife, she was like, is it Annie, like, you know, the girl with red hair? And I'm like, no, it's Auntie, you know, Annie Up. Um, and so, Annie Up, well, you say, well, what does that mean? Well, that means that you put your money on the table before you know the, the hand that you're going to be dealt, right? Are you with me so far? Can I get an amen today? I mean, I know it's chilly out there, and, you know, do we want to turn down the air and keep it cold in here so you guys will be a little more alive? Um, but, but here's the truth. You know, again, it simply means that you place your bet before you're dealt your hand, okay? That's what it means to any up. And, and once you do that, guess what? You're not just an onlooker at the table. You're actually in the game, right? Once you ante up and you place your money on the table, you're in the game. You get to play the game and you might even have an opportunity or you do have an opportunity to possibly even win the game. Um, well, here's the truth. In the game of life, it's the same thing. God has called us to ante up. God has called us to say to him, I'm placing my bet on you before I know what hand you're going to deal me. Does that make sense? And so that's where we've been so far. And you say, well, what does it mean to ante up with Christ? Well, we ante up. Number one was this. If you're taking notes, I'm going to go through it real quick. Number one, we ante up by making Jesus our Lord and Savior. I mean, if we're going to truly, you know, know God personally, then we have to give our lives to his son, Jesus. The truth is we are all sinners. Amen. Let's try that again. We are all sinners. Amen. Amen. So you guys aren't willing to admit that. Well, you're in church, so stop lying. And you just sinned. So you're, you, let's say it again. We're all sinners. Amen, see? So we're all sinners, and because of that fact, guess what? We need a Savior. We need someone to come and, and save us from our sin. And Jesus was sent by His Father God to become our Savior he came to the world. He entered the earth as a child. He was raised as a carpenter's son, and he was crucified on a cross, but he didn't just die there and stay in the tomb. Guess what? He rose from the dead. Amen? And so when he rose from the dead, guess what? He conquered sin because he rose from the dead, and therefore we can have a Savior, and he can save us from our sins. And so here's the thing. If you're going to ante up, then you have to give your life to Jesus. You have to accept Him as your Savior and your Lord. And so that was number one. That, that's what it means to ante up with Christ. Number two is this. We looked at this last week. It's this. Anteing up takes faith. It takes faith. And you say, well, what is faith? Well, faith, again, is believing in something that you cannot see. I mean, sure, we see God moving around and, you know, doing some things in our lives, but we haven't really, uh, I've never really just seen Him personally with my own eyes. And so guess what? I have to have faith that he is who he says he is and that he can do what he says he can do, right? It's just like Annie and Up. I have to place my faith in Christ before I know what he's going to do in my life. 
I don't know about you, but that's kind of scary. I don't, I don't really necessarily always want to give, you know, somebody else control of my life. And you say, well, what does it mean to have faith? Well, your faith has to be in Jesus. It has to be in Jesus. It can't be in yourself. It can't be in your money. It can't be in, you know, your job, your reputation, your fame, all that stuff. It has to be in Jesus. And the second thing that we learned was faith means action. If you say, Bo, I have a faith in Jesus Christ, but you have no acts and you don't, you know, serve him and you don't, you know, live by his word. Guess what? The Bible says your faith is what? Dead. It's dead. So faith means action. The third thing that we learned was faith is trusting in God even when you lose a hand. Right? I mean, you're going to lose some hands in this life. Obviously, we get to win the game if we know Jesus, but in the game of life, you're going to lose some hands. And faith is trusting in Jesus even when you lose a hand. Even when things don't go your way, you still have faith in Jesus. So that was number two. Well, today I want to turn our focus on another important spiritual truth that will help us go all in with Christ. All right, you ready? Number three, if you're taking notes. Um, Number three is this. Anning up with Christ means knowing how to play your hand. Let me say it again. Anning up with Christ means that you, you, you need to know how to play your hand. Here's the truth about playing cards. In the game of cards, guess what? It's all about making the right choices, right? I mean, do I have a hand that's good enough to beat my, my brother's hand? Do I have, you know, should I check or should I bet? Should I raise or should I fold? Should, you know, does, does, my, does the opponent, is he bluffing? I mean, it's all about choices. I mean, those are the choices that we have to make. And if we make the right choices, guess what? We can win the pot, right? Well, here's the truth. The game of life, it's full of a lot of decisions. I don't know if you know this or not. I mean, we have to, we, we all go through a lot of decisions in our lives. Ladies, you know, maybe your decision today was, do I wear my skinny jeans or do I wear my bootcut jeans? Can I get an amen from the ladies? Some of you guys are feeling a little bit, you know, swelled up today, maybe. I don't know. Maybe the weather's good for you and you you feel a little tighter. I don't know. I'm just trying to relate to the ladies today. I don't do that very well. Some of you ladies, maybe your your idea when it's you know you know when it get, when the weather's bad you know you're, should I wear my hair curly or should I wear it straight? Should I you know have a French manicure or should I wear the schlack? See, I'm, 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 you're proud of me, right? I mean, I know what schlack is. I, obviously, I don't know really what it is, but my wife told me it's slack, and so it goes on your nails or whatever. I really don't know. Just trying to relate here. Men, you know, we have decisions like, you know, how should we wear our hair? You know, like mullet or no mullet? Some of you guys. Or, you know, should I wear a goatee or should I wear a flavor saver? That's what I call this right here. The flavor saver. Or, you know, some of you, some of you guys, you have your favorite pair of jeans and they have a hole in the crotch and you're like, should I wear these jeans and hope nobody sees that hole? Or should I wear those starchy jeans and that my wife bought me? You know what I'm saying? I mean, those are the decisions that we have to make, right? Then there are, you know, maybe more serious decisions, right? Some of you guys are making decisions on, you know, teenagers. Who should I date, right? Some of you, who should I marry? Where should we move? Should I change jobs? You know, should I, you know, should we buy this house? And, and here's the thing. These decisions can either help us succeed or they can cause us to fail, right? And, and here's the truth. No one would get up in the morning and say, hey, guess what? I think I'm going to fail today. I think I feel like failing today. I mean, it sounds pretty good to me. 
No, we wouldn't do that. But listen, a lot of us, because many of us aren't maybe aware or mindful of what God's will is for our lives, little by little we make decisions that we think are small and then they obviously they turn into a big major mistake, right? And so we have a lot of decisions to make. So the question is, so how do we know how to play our hand in the game of life? Well, I want to give you seven, that's a lot, but I'm going to roll fast. Seven biblical principles on making and fo- making great decisions. Ready? Number one. In the game of life, we must ante up before we get the answer. I, I know I sound repetitive, but this is just a part of it, okay? You, in the game of life with Christ, guess what? You have to say yes to God a lot of times before he's going to give you the answer to your question. Does that make sense? I mean, you got to say, okay, I don't know what the future holds, like I've said already, but I'm going to say yes. And so when you have a decision to make, you know, no matter what God says to you, here's what I've learned. I have to submit to him many times before he ever shows me the answer. You with me? So again, you have to, you say, well, what does it mean to submit? Well, it means that you give him your rights. You say, I don't know what the decision that you're going to make, God, but I'm going to trust you whatever the decision that you make for my life. You give them your rights. You give them your wants. You, you say yes before you even know the answer to the question. I, I'll give you, the, again, the example in my own life. When we started, you know, Thousand Hills Ranch Church, you know, I, I really didn't know all, you know, that God wanted to do in this church. I didn't know how he wanted us to, you know, do this or do that. But here's, here's what I had to do. I mean, it took almost three years for me to get to a position to where I, I, I felt like, you know, God was ready and was going to move. But here's the thing. He wanted me to submit and say, but, or say, God, I'm going to do this before he showed me his plans. Does that make sense? So a lot of times you got to go, God, I give you my life. I, I hand it over to you. If you want to, you know, move me, if you want me to change jobs, if you want me to sell our house, if you want, you know, if you want me to, to some of you guys face illness, if you want me to die, Lord, I'm ready. I, I, whatever it is, I trust in you before I know the decision that you're going to make. That's, that's a big deal right there. Here's the truth. God has a perfect will for all of our lives. Whether you know it or not, he has a perfect will for your life. Teenagers, listen, God has a perfect person for you to marry. Amen? He has a perfect person for you to marry. He has a perfect, you know, uh, life that he has set up for you. He has a, a, a job that he wants you to have. He has a school that he wants you to go to. You know, he has a perfect plan for your life. Here, but here's, here's what we have to have. We have to have trust in him even when we don't understand what he's doing. Proverbs 3, yeah, I got one clap on that. That's good, I'm, I'm with it. Is it hot in here now? Am I getting warm? Are you guys getting warm? Let's turn that, Marcia, if you'll turn that down to like 64 or something. Right? I don't know what it's on. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, and you can, you can read it up there with me. It says what? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and what? Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways What? Submit to him and he will make your path straight. You see that, what it's saying? You got to trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. That's hard. That means you submit to him. But here's the cool thing. When you do this, guess what he does? He blesses you. 
Look at uh, Romans 8.28. It says this. And we know that in what? All things God works for what? For the good of those who love him who have been what? Called according to his purpose. You know what that verse says? When, when you actually do what God wants you to do, guess what? He's going to work for your good. When you say, yes, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do, he starts working for your good. I don't know about you, but I like that. The hard part is saying yes to him before I know what he's going to do. Right? And so that's what we have to do. Um, so number one, we must ante up before we even know the answers. Number two is this, and I'm, I'm going to go fast. Number two, we must obey God's word. If you want to make right decisions, guess what? You have the greatest manual, you have the greatest instruction book, you have the greatest resource that you could ever have in God's word. Second Timothy, look at it. Second Timothy 3.16, it says this. All scripture is what? Inspired by God and is useful to teach us what it is true and, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and what? Teaches us to do what is right. So you think, well, I don't know how to make this decision. I don't, I don't know what I should do here. You have the word of God to tell you. And here's the thing about the word of God. In many cases, guess what? It's black and white. It's black and white. I mean, there are, there are things, and these are maybe, you know, obvious things. Should I steal? Answer? No. Should, should I forgive others? Answer? Yes. Should I be kind? Yes. Should I lie? No, I mean, there, there are things that are black and white that you don't even have to pray about. I mean, some of you guys are, you're, you're, you're wondering and worrying about decisions that you have to make that the Bible is clear on. You don't even have to pray about them. You just need to obey what God has put in the Bible. And so again, I love the Bible because it's black and white. Uh, and, and here's the thing. I don't know if you understand how powerful this book is. I mean, some of you guys, you don't even know where your Bible is. And, and I'm sad because of that. But, but here's the truth. This book is powerful. I mean, this book, I'll give you some, some you know, characteristics of this book. It's flawless. It's flawless. You say, well, I don't know about that. I mean, there was people that you were humans that wrote it. Well, maybe they misspelled a word, but the true meaning of it behind it, the inspiration of it, the words that God gave them, they are flawless. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, they're flawless. So it's truths are flawless. They're trustworthy. They're right. Listen, they're right every time. The Bible doesn't make mistakes. We make mistakes, but the Bible never does. Guess what else it is? It's alive. Here's the, here's the thing about other books. You read them and, and you read them. You know what? When you read the Bible, guess what? The Bible reads you. The Bible's alive. The Bible, the, the, it tells us in Scripture, it says that it's, it's alive. And if you will read it, it will make you alive. It will fill you. And it will, it, it's the bread of life. Uh, the Bible is actually the Word of God. We don't just say that it is. It is actually the Word of God. Again, it's not just a history book. It's the very words of God Himself. Here's the other thing about the Bible. It's a weapon. It's a weapon. Here's what two things that it can do. It can heal and it can kill. You want you are you going through pain? Read the Bible and it will heal your heart. Are you facing the enemy, the devil, and he's trying to kick you in the teeth? Read it and it will kill the enemy. I'm just telling you, it does it. 
It does it every time. Here's what else it is. It's chock full of supernatural wisdom and insight. You say, I don't know how to make a decision. Read the Bible. The Bible will show you. It is inspired by God. It is useful. And it will show you how to play your hand. And so you say, well, how do I make decisions? How do I know how to play my hand? Read the Bible. One of the greatest disciplines, and I call it a discipline because it's not always easy, that I have, you know, I have committed to in my life is having a quiet time. Some of you guys don't know what that means. That means that you sit in whatever room it is that you like with the kids gone, lock them in the room, anesthetize them, whatever you got to do. Get, you know, hobble them outside where they can't get in the door. I don't, I don't know what you got to do, but get, get everybody else away. Get alone with God and read the Bible. It's called a quiet time. You say, how long do I have to read? I don't know, whatever God tells you. Maybe five minutes, maybe one chapter, maybe 15 minutes, maybe an hour. I don't know. But it's called a quiet time. It's one of the greatest disciplines that I've, that, 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 that I've committed to. And I encourage you to commit to it as well. Psalm 119, 105 says this. It says, your what? Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. But here's the thing. Some of you guys are like, well, the Bible doesn't answer all the questions. I mean, not everything in the Bible is black and white. So here's the question. How do we make decisions about things that aren't black and white in the Bible? Well, here's the other, here's the other side of it. You, you practice other biblical principles to make those decisions. I'll give you those. I'll give you some. Number three, we must ask God. You say, how, how do I make decisions in life? Here's, it's simple. And I know I'm a practical preacher. Some of you guys are looking for more scholarly stuff. You're going to have to go down the road to find someone who knows all the fancy terms. This is, is practical to me. You know what the answer is? We just need to ask God. If you, if you want to know what decision you're supposed to make or what the answer is to the problem, guess what? Just ask God. Ask him. I mean, just ask him. When I, here's the thing that I've learned. When you go to, let's say, I'll use the example of buying a horse. When you go to buy a horse, a lot of people will say that, the, you know, a horse is broke, right? I mean, they'll tell you, yeah, he's broke. He's broke to death. I mean, he would never do anything. You know, but, but what they don't tell you is th- their definition of broke, <laughs> right? I mean, some people are like, yeah, that horse is broke. I mean, he'll do anything you want to him. But they don't go on to say, you have to ride him for about 45 minutes and, and, and then he'll do whatever he want you want him to do you know what i'm saying so you have to ask the right questions here's some questions in case you want to buy a horse you know does this horse have any holes does it have any holes in it i mean is does this horse buck does this horse you know has this horse ever been roped on you know have they ever been on cattle i mean it's all about asking the right questions so that you can maybe buy the best horse that's suited for you right well, it's the same way in life in the game of life god wants us to come to him first and say I have a question. And here's some great questions. If you want to know some questions to ask God, here you go. Ready? Here's the first question that, I would, that, that, that helps me. What pleases God most? You want to know the answers to your questions? Ask that one. What pleases God most? Here's the next question that I ask because I'm a leader. I have to lead. You know, I'm called to lead this amazing church. Here's what I, the other question that I have to ask. What would a godly leader do? Here's a question that maybe you ask. What would a godly parent do? What would a godly boss do? What would a godly employee do? I mean, those are questions that you ought to go, God, what, what would you want me to do? 
and ask him to reveal his answer to you. When we ask God, guess what? He listens to us. James, and, and he blesses us. Look at James 1, 5. It says this. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should what? You should ask God who what? Gives generously to all, and here's a cool phrase, what? Without finding fault, and it will be given to you. I don't know about you, but that's awesome. God says, hey, if you'll just come to me, I'll give you the wisdom that you need to make that decision. Here's the thing. We have to come to him. Say, okay, God, I don't, I don't know about you, but a lot of times I don't go to God before I make a decision. Anybody with me? Raise your hand if that's you. Yeah. Stupid. We're dumb. I'm dumb. Because why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we go to him? And he says, I'll give you wisdom. Uh, and here's the cool thing about God, a cool characteristic about God that maybe you don't know. He oftentimes gives you more than one choice. Anybody been there? I mean, you got two choices to make. I mean, he says, I, you can choose this or this. I don't care. I want you to be happy. I don't know, about, I don't know if you look at God that way, but you need to. Look, look at Psalm 37, 4. It says this. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will what? Give you the desires of your what? Heart. What does it say? If you'll delight in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. And so we, it, we have to delight in him and go to him and say, okay, God, I'm not going to hear. I'm not here to please myself. I'm here to please you. What do you want me to do? He goes, oh, that's delightful to me. And then he goes, I'm going to bless you. You choose. I don't know about you, but I love that. That's, that's some clapping, right? We should clap on that deal. Number four, we're rolling. When, we, when the Bible doesn't directly answer our question, number four, we must seek godly counsel. Let me say it again. We must seek godly counsel. Here's the truth. When we started this church, a lot of people think, well, Bo just had all the answers. You're wrong. I didn't have all the answers. Guess what? I went to every church planning conference that I could go to. I went to every cowboy church conference that I could go to. I went to all kinds of people that had started churches before. I went to pastors that I know. I went to everybody that I could go to to find the answers on how to best start a church. You know why I did that? Because they had the answers. They had been down that road before I had. And so why would I not go seek godly counsel? Here's, here's a fact. Making great decisions that glorify God are a result of asking godly people great questions. You say, I don't want to make myself to be a fool. I don't want them to think I'm stupid. I don't want to. That's, that's, you're stupid for thinking that. I mean, really? I mean, that's pride. And usually when you have pride like that and then you make a decision without seeking godly counsel, you usually fail. Bible says pride comes before a what? Fall, right? And so sometimes you got to go, I don't know the answer. I'm going to call that guy who's already been down the road. And, and maybe you ask, you, know, you ask questions like this. What's the best decision that you made when you started your business? Maybe some of you guys are wanting to start a business. What, or here's another question. What's the greatest lesson that you've learned in your marriage? <laughs> that's, a, that's something I need to ask. What? Anybody with me? Come on now. We got a goat house that I spend a lot of time in. It's not a dog house. It's a goat house now because we're in the goat business. 
Um, here's another question. What is the best quality that you should have as a boss? Go ask another boss that. What, or what's the best quality that you should have as an employee? What's the best quality that you should have as a student? Ask somebody that's already been down that, that road. What, what's the you know, best advice that you can give me when it comes to money? What, what are some verses that, that you go to when you're making a decision about your kids? This is something that I need as well, right? I mean, why would we not seek the godly counsel of other people? That's what, I mean, that's what they're there for. And that's just smart to do. Look at Proverbs 15, 22. It says, plans what? Fail for lack of counsel. But with many advisors, they what? They succeed. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a great way to make decisions. Number five is this. Principles for making right decisions. Number five, don't be afraid to what? Don't be afraid to wait. All right, how many of you guys hate the word wait? Can I just, come on, everybody, please just everybody raise your hand just at once in my whole life. When we've been doing church for five years, none of you have raised your hand. Just once, ready? One, two, three, raise your hand. I hate waiting. I hate waiting at the doctor's office. I hate waiting in line at Walmart. I hate waiting. I just hate waiting. I mean, and a lot of people think, why doesn't both show up earlier, you know, to events? I hate waiting. I want, I, I'm never early. I don't say I'm never early because sometimes I have to be early, but I'm always on time because you know why? I don't, I don't want to have to wait. My wife, she loves to kind of wait. And I'm like, I don't want to wait. I want to just, I just want to get there on time and I want to just enjoy the fun when it starts, not wait for the fun to start, right? I mean, I hate it. I don't like waiting, but here's the thing that I've learned. Sometimes waiting is the best decision that you can make because, yeah, come on, Marcia, lead the whole crowd, Marcia, lead them, lead them into the clap. I mean, again, sometimes the, the best decision that we can make is to wait, I mean, some of you guys are single and you're like, I'm so ready to be married. I I just wish I was married. Listen, sometimes God says, wait, I want to teach you a few things before you get married. Right? Some of you guys, you're like, I still need to learn some things and I'm married. Some of you guys are like, again, maybe you're saying, I'm so ready to start this own business. I'm so so ready to quit this job. I'm so ready to do this. But but God is saying, hey, I need you to slow down just a little bit because I want you to work, you know, here first so that you can learn how to be a better boss. He says, wait, wait for this. The truth is this. Waiting for God's perfect timing is always worth it. It's always worth it. Yeah. Isaiah, Isaiah 40, 31, listen to what it says. But they who, what? Wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Those who wait on the Lord. Number six is this. And here's, this is on the other hand, okay? Number six, how do I make right decisions, make godly decisions? When God says to play your hand, Play it. This is, you say, well, I don't know what decision to make. When he speaks and he says, it's time, you need to play your hand. I mean, some of you guys have been sitting on your hand and God's saying, hey, I need you to play it. I need you to move. I need you to go. I need you to act. And you're like, oh, 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 no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to stay right here. God says, I want you to play it. James, look at James 1.22. It says, but, but don't just what? Listen to the word or God's word. You must what? Do. 
what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. So, again, deciding, I'll give you the example. Deciding to, to, um, to start Thousand Hills, guess, guess what God said? God said, Bo, I want you to resign from a church without knowing where your next paycheck is going to come from. He said, I want you to play your hand. You, you don't know what the opponents out there got. You don't know what their hand is. You don't know what my hand is. But I want you to play your hand and I want you to move. And I want you to act. And, and again, you say, I, I don't know if I can do that. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it on my own. But through God's strength, when he said, let's do this, I said, let's do this. And it was, again, the scariest point of my life, but the, the most blessed point of my life. At some point, here's, here's the thing. God is going to say, it's time to play your hand. There's no more wondering about it. There's no more waiting. It's time. It's time. Listen, some of you guys maybe need to hear this. It's time to ask her to marry you. Ladies. Amen. I thought I'd get at least one single lady who was like, you know, did you hear what the preacher said? He's speaking straight to you. It's time. It's time to ask her to marry you. It's time to move. It's time to speak up. It's time to take that job. It's time to break up with him. Break up with her. Here's the thing. Some of you, God is saying, it's time for you to act. Time for you to play your hand. So again, you say, how do I make decisions? Well, sometimes God says, play your hand and you need to play it. Number seven and I'm done. The, the last principle when it comes to knowing how to play your hand, it, here's number seven. It's, oh, it's okay to fold sometimes. It's okay to fold sometimes. And you say, well, what's that mean? Well, if you're playing a game of cards, when you fold, guess what? You think that's a bad deal because you didn't have a good hand. But guess what? Folding can be good because it allows you to play another hand and you didn't lose a bunch of money, Right? So folding sometimes can be good. So you say, well, what, is that, what does that look like you know, in, in our spiritual lives? In, in the game of life, you say, well, what is it, how do I know when to fold? Or, or when is it okay to fold? Here, let me give you the answer. You ready? When the devil is the dealer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you say, well, when, when, in the game of life with Christ, when is it okay to fold? I'm just telling you. Sometimes, and here's the truth. Let me just, let me just get, this, get this out. God is in control of the whole game. But sometimes he lets the devil deal the cards. You say, well, why would he do that? Well, I don't always understand why. I mean, but I think about Job in the Bible. I mean, God, sometimes he says, hey, I want the devil to test this person. So he says, devil, and he's in control of the devil, by the way. Amen. He's in control of him, and he says, hey, I want you to deal that person a few cards because I want to test his faith. Or I want you to tempt that person. Or God never tempts us, but he allows maybe the devil to do it. And so sometimes he lets the devil deal. And you say, well, when is it okay to fold? Here's the, here's the answer. When the devil is dealing you, you some cards of temptation to sin or to settle, fold fold and you say oh but now let me make this let me get this straight you say are you saying bow we're supposed to fold into the sin no here's the truth you're supposed to fold out when i when i fold in a game of cards guess what i'm saying i'm out now i'm not playing that hand 
It's the same way in life. When the devil's the dealer and he's dealing you and he's saying, he's saying, just settle for her. Just settle. They're not the perfect person that God has for you, but just settle for them. Just settle for this mediocre job when I have a better job for you. Just set, or God has a better job for you. Just settle for this. Just settle for, you know, cheating just a little bit. Just settle. Just, just, you know, give in to the temptation. That's when you say, I fold. I'm out. I'm not playing that hand. I'm going to live to play another hand by folding and not saying yes to the devil. Does that make sense? And so it's okay to fold sometimes. But here's the truth. On the other hand, when God says, play your hand, play the hand that I've dealt you, you need to play it. You need to play it. Don't fold when God says, play your hand. I mean, at some point, you need to get into the game. You need to stay into the game. And you need to give the devil some hell. Amen? So, I mean, some, of, some of you guys are like, yeah, I'm too scared. I don't want to play my hand. I don't want to do that. No, listen. If you'll just play your hand every now and then, it's a blast. It's fun. And you say, it's not a... I mean, my wife, if she was sitting here, she'd be like, no. I mean, sometimes I pray prayers, and, and my wife, she just cringes sometimes. Like, God, and this is stupid, but God, if you, if, if you want to burn our house down, I'm okay with that. Whatever pleases you. She's like, no, Lord, no. She's like, please don't hear his prayer. You know what I'm saying? But I'm just telling you, sometimes you just got to get out. You just got to play. You just got to get in the game. You got to do something. And so here's the question. How do you make decisions? Are, are you practicing these biblical principles of making decisions on how to play your hand? Do you submit to God first before he even says the answer? Are, are you asking people for godly wisdom before you make decisions? Are you doing what, what God wants you to do? I mean, again, those are the things that are going to help you know how to play your hand. And so here's the thing. I want to ask you to bow your head. Close your eyes for just a minute. Here's what, here's what we do. And some of you guys are new to church. Some of you guys have never been to church. We ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Not because we're going to do something to you, but, but we want you to be able to focus. And a lot of times when you are looking around or everybody's looking at you or whatever, then you can't really focus. So we just say, would you bow your head and close your eyes? And then <clears throat> what we do now is we ask you to make a commitment. It's a time of commitment making. And so... Here's a, here's a question that I have. How many how many of you guys would say, Bo, I, I know the, the biblical principles that you gave today. I, I, maybe I learned them just today for the first time. And I'm willing to commit to using these biblical principles. How many guys would just raise your hand and say, Bo, that, I'm, I'm willing to do that today. I'm going to commit. Yeah, thank you. All across the room. I'm willing to commit to using the biblical principles from God's word to make my decisions. Anybody else? Say, yeah, that's me. Thank you. All across the room. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All across the room. Maybe those of you that, that, that just raised your hand, maybe you need to pray a, a, a prayer like this. God, I commit to submitting my plans to you. I know that you work for the good of those who, who love you and who say yes to you before they know the answer. And so I'm saying yes to you today. And I want to live my life and I want to make decisions that honor you. 
Maybe you just prayed that prayer. I, I pray that you did. And maybe you're in a different boat. Maybe you're, you're here today and you need to fold. The devil's been dealing you some temptation. You're in a relationship that you know you shouldn't be in. Or you're making decisions to cheat. Or you're, you're doing stupid stuff. You're disobeying your parents. Whatever it is, you need to, you need to say to the devil, I fold. I'm out. I'm not going to play that hand anymore. I'm going to turn to God and I'm going to do what He wants me to do. Would anybody be willing, nobody's looking around, but would anybody be willing to say, Bo, I think that's me. I think God wants me to fold. Anybody raise your hand and say, I think that's me. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think God, God wants me to get out of this sin that I'm living in and stop settling for something less than his best. Thank you for raising your hand. Again, maybe your prayer, those of you that just raised your hand, maybe your prayer needs to be, Lord, give me the strength to say no to the devil and to walk away from his table. He's dealing the cards. I know he is. And I'm walking away from his table. Listen, I hope that those of you that just raise your hands, that you prayed that prayer and you make that commitment today, that when you walk out of this room, that you're not going to go back on that commitment. You're going to do what he has asked you to do, and that's get out of the sin and stop settling for less than God's best. Others of you, maybe you need to make this commitment. Maybe God has been telling you it's time. It's time to play your hand, but you've sat on it. And you said, no, 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 I'm not going to play my hand. Maybe some of you are here today and that's you. How many guys would raise your hand and say, Bo, I think that's me. I think God wants me to play my hand. He's shown me. Thank you. Thank you. He's shown me that it's time to play my hand and I've been setting on it. Yeah. Again, maybe your prayer needs to be, Lord, I'm taking action today. I'm going to do whatever it takes, no matter the pain, no matter the sacrifice, no matter what it costs me. I'm going to do what you're leading me to do because I know that it's time to act and I'm going to do it. Listen, maybe you just prayed that. I hope that you did. I hope that you made that commitment today. Lastly, maybe you're here today and you've never ended up with Christ by giving him your life. You say, but what does that mean? That means that you you turn to him and you say, okay, I'm done playing this game my way and I want to play this game your way. Because the truth is, this isn't a game. It's real. It's real life. And so maybe you need to make a commitment today to say, Lord, I, and maybe this needs to be your prayer. Maybe you don't know Jesus and you just need to pray this in your heart right now. Lord, I give you my heart. Lord, I, I know I'm a sinner. And I need you to forgive me of my sin and come into my life. I submit to you my whole life. And I thank you for forgiving me and becoming my Savior. Listen, maybe you just prayed that prayer for the first time. How many of you guys would say, Bo, I I prayed that for the first time. I'm raising my hand and I'm going to tell you today that I prayed that for the first time. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Thank you. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, you've made the greatest decision that you'll ever make in your life. And that's to know Jesus personally. 
And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask Jill to come. She's going to share with you what, what, you know, the next step for you to take in your walk with Christ and how we can help you do that. Lord, I pray right now, I thank you for each person that has uh, made decisions and commitments today. Commitments to honor you and to glorify you and to, to make decisions that, that honor you and glorify you. And Lord, today I pray that they would stick to those commitments, that they would not be a, just an emotional decision that they make in church, but that they would stick to it, that they would, they would do what pleases you no matter what the cost is. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for prayer. I thank you for godly counsel. And I pray that we would, when we make, you know, have decisions to make, that we would use all the resources that you provide for us so that we can make decisions that honor you. Lord, we thank you. It's in your holy name I pray. Amen. Leave it all behind. Thanks, Cody. Leave it all behind. Leave it all behind. Leave it all behind. I have what you need. But you keep on searching. I've done all the work. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Bohay, Thousand Hills Ranch Church in Woodward, Oklahoma. Please join us next Sunday at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Woodward Livestock Auction.